Hi and welcome to the marriage episode. My name is Steel Josephine and this is Still Learning God's Precepts or LGP for short. And as the title suggests, today we will be talking about marriage. Seeing as I'm currently single, I do not feel quite qualified to speak about this topic, but then I do not feel qualified to talk about every other thing that I talk about on this podcast. The only thing I know is that which God has taught me and I decided that if I could share every other thing I've been taught, why would I hold back on this? God's word in my mouth qualifies me. And so I'll speak. Now that we have that out of the way, let's backtrack to when I got my marriage lesson. You see, I'd never really gotten the fuss about marriage. It made no sense to me. It just seemed like a lot of stress with the occasional peck that did not make up for the stress. Then Jesus saved me. I got into church. And there's this umbrella graphic that they share in church when they speak about marriage that annoyed me even more. I'll look for a picture of it and attach it to the blog. But in this picture... There's, I think, about four umbrellas in graduating sizes, with our Lord Jesus Christ being the biggest umbrella, the husband being the next one in size, the wife the next, and finally we had the kids. This was the communication and reporting hierarchy. We human beings love power so much. Where they say God speaks to the man, and the man speaks to the wife, and the wife to the kids, yada yada. All I kept thinking was who in their right minds would meet Jesus and then decide to put a human being between them. Why would I give up Jesus for a human being? Uh, Side note, do you know that Eve was only relegated to mother of all children after the fall when sin had entered the world and Adam no longer had the life of God in him? Before the fall, she was born of Adam's born, i.e. she was one with him. So whatever Adam was, they were together. Or as Peter puts it, she was his partner. Motherhood is great, but being called only to motherhood is as a result of the fall of man. Anyway, let's not get sidetracked. Let me get back to the story. So one day I'm reading my Bible. I'm awed by the perfection of God's plans. I'm blown away by how intricately entwined everything is, by how complete and purposeful everything God has ever done or said is and I say exactly this to God but then I also say that though everything was perfect and good marriage kind of stood out as a sore thumb to me I remember saying that I knew that because you know God is good he's good so everything he does is good but I had examined marriage and I couldn't quite seem to see the same completeness and perfection as I saw in everything else it it didn't quite have the same flavor as others did as other things he did in my mouth well, I did not get an immediate response. So about two weeks later, God called me into a three-day retreat. I had been praying specifically about something else. And I thought that was what he was calling me to receive. Alas, it was not. It was to address what I had said a couple of weeks earlier. And I'm going to try and summarize what I was thought over the course of three plus, three plus days in as little time as possible. Now I'm going to ask that if you've not listened to our very first episode, please stop here and go listen. It's called Our Identity in Christ. I'm going to be assuming that you've listened to it. as That is the foundation upon which this episode is built. So let's begin. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him, male and female, he created he, them. From the above, we can see very clearly that both female and male humans were made in the image of God. Today, I'm going to try to define, I'm not going to try to define what that image is. I just want to establish that as a fact. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 7b says, For as much as he, the man, is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man. 
then I began to wonder, why do men get to be the glory of God, but we women were the glory of man? I was not a happy camper. So let's go back to Genesis now, shall we? Genesis chapter 2, verse 22, 24. But from Genesis chapter 2, verses 22, 24 says that, and the reed which God had taken from man, he, and the reed which God had taken from man made he a woman. And brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now the bone of my bones, and the flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. You see, when God wanted to create Eve, he took her out of man. He basically turned Adam from single to double. You see, this is why I needed to listen to the first episode. In order to create Eve, God removed something from Adam. What exactly was removed from him? What does this mean for Adam and for him and for Eve and for marriage as an institution? To examine this, I'm going to be examining three or maybe four stories in the Bible. Let's start with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 15, God made a covenant with Abraham and promised him that his servant would not be his heir, but that he would bet his own heir. This was, where God told, this was where God told him to now look towards heaven and count the stars, and if he's able to number them, so shall his descendants be. The Bible tells us that Abraham believed. He actually believed God. But then he went home and slept with Hagar, Sarah's maid servant. I don't know about you, but if one half of a couple, but if God speaks to one half of a couple that they're going to birth a child, the assumption that you know he's speaking, the assumption is that you know he's speaking to both you and your partner. But when you don't see you and your partner as one, you take the vision that God gives you for you guys' life and destiny and personalize it for yourself only, making it all about you with your spouse in a, as a, with your spouse acting as an extra in a movie where you're the star act. I want to let you know that the result will always be Ishmael. And don't forget that Ishmael was a miracle, a miracle child. But God said it was not his will. Abraham was called to be the father of nations through Isaac. He had many other children, but through none of them would his destiny, the reason God called him in the first place, be fulfilled. Sarah had only one child in her. Sarah, on the other hand, had only one child in her womb, Isaac, and he was a child of promise. But as she bettered him by anyone other than Abraham, he would have not been the child of promise. This brings me to the next point I quickly want to make. If you think God called your wife to be a mother, then he called you to be a father and vice versa. I'm not, call, I'm not saying God called you to be the same thing since Adam was divided into Adam and Eve. I very much doubt that it will be the same, but you are two halves of one vision. And those two halves, and those two halves merged at the point where you got married. For God to make Eve, it took something vital out of Adam. This means that whatever you have in your hand, though very important, is, is the incomplete half of something of which a vital part is in the hand of your spouse, be you male or female. Let's take a quick detour to Isaac himself when he married Rebekah in Genesis chapter 24. When Abraham's servant found Rebekah just as he was about to leave, Rebekah blessed, Rebekah's brother blessed her with the following blessing in verse 60. Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Does this sound familiar? This is basically the exact same promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 verse 17 that was to be fulfilled through Isaac. This means that immediately Rebecca said, I will, or in our case, I do. The same covenant came upon her too. These two incidents happened years apart in two entirely different places, but the blessing was the same. My next example is uh, Moses. Moses knew that God called him to lead the people out of Israel and he was right. 
But he grew up in Pharaoh's palace and he only knew the way of the palace. But the way of the palace is not God's way. And when he tried to apply the things he knew and he learned from his time in the palace, it backfired and next thing you know, he was on the run. Thankfully, because God is the God of providence, he ran into Jethro's daughters who were shepherds, one of whom he married. You see, God had called Moses to shepherd the people of Israel out of Egypt. Everything else, the miracles and signs God would do through him. But he needed to learn how to be a shepherd and to think like one. Remember that earlier in the book of Genesis, Joseph had told us that the Egyptians found shepherds to be an abomination and Moses had been raised by Egyptians. This means that for Moses to effectively lead shepherds, he couldn't still hold the mindset that found them abominable. Moses needed to learn new skills and to have his mind renewed. So Moses had the vision, but his wife, who was the shepherd, had the methodology. She was the shepherd that taught him how to be a shepherd, how to pick out the right you know, shepherd's rod, the good places to rest, feed the sheep, amongst many others. It was after he had fully embraced this role that God called him in the burning bush and sent him to rescue the people of Israel. Finally, I'll end with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Joseph, her husband. Mary may be called the mother of God, but Jesus is referred to in the Bible as the son of Joseph, and he was a descendant of David. Now, according to prophecy, the Messiah must be a descendant of David. Jesus' father had to be a descendant of David. So, so here we have Mary chosen to be chosen to carry the Messiah. But has she been engaged to anyone but Joseph, who was a descendant of David, and who also had been chosen to be the father of Jesus? There's no way we'll know who she is today. Also, there's Joseph, a good Jewish man, a descendant of David. But he was probably one of thousands, just like any in of thousands like him in his day. Why do we know who he is today? He married Mary. Anyone had he married anyone but her, we would not know we probably not know who he is today. He was called to be the father of our Lord, and Mary was called to be the mother of our Lord. This brings me to the comment I made at the beginning of this episode about first corinthians chapter 11 verse 7b which says that for as much as the man is the image and glory of god but the woman is the glory of man we've already established from genesis that both men and women are made in the image and likeness of god but this verse introduces something new glory it states that men are the glory of god but women are the glory of men why do women get to be the glory of men and not of god what does it really mean for women to be the glory of men when God created humanity, he created them in one body. He saw that it was good and asked him to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But the male but male human bodies, though declared good by God, but though declared good by God, cannot on their own be fruitful or multiply. So they are not equipped to fulfill the mission God gave him. Thus, God said that it was not good for man to be alone. Or in other words, it was not good for man to be singular. So what did God do? He removed something from the man and then built what he removed into a woman who had a body that when joined with the man together, they could carry out and fulfill the mission given to them by God. As marriage is a mystery that points us to Christ Jesus, it would be great to go back and look at the relationship we have with Christ to help throw more light on what it means for women to be the glory of men. In John chapter 12 verse 24, Jesus in reply to Philip and Andrew said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except, except a corn of wheat falls into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. That word alone comes up here again. And the same way that the father said in Genesis that it was not good for man to be alone, Jesus also insinuates that it was not good for him to be alone, singular, alone slash singular. He wanted to multiply himself. He would, and 
He has done that by dying on the cross, crucifying our old self and giving us new life, his own life. In the same way that Eve came from Adam when God wanted to create Eve, when we are born again, we become body parts of Jesus Christ, removed from his side. We become the branches growing out of him, the vine. We, the church, are the bride of Christ, the Eve to Christ Adam. So how is Christ Jesus glorified on earth by his bride in his church? In John chapter 17, verse 22, Jesus said, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Christ is glorified in his church. People do not see Jesus, they see his body. But when they see us, they glorify Jesus. It is in us and through us that Jesus' handiwork is being exhibited as we are built up in and by Christ. So that so just as it is in and through us that Christ is glorified on earth, so also it is in and through the wife that the husband is glorified. Outside of that, there is no glory. What you get is Ishmael. What God removed from Adam and built up in Eve is what makes for his glory. So it becomes their glory, the man and the woman. So how does God want this to play out in simple term in simple terms? Husband, all of your life must be focused on building up your wife. And as for your wife, you must recognize that all that you are is his. Christ's focus right now is on building his church. Our response as a church is to let him build us up. In marriage, God relates to the man as the leader and the woman as the helper. No one replaces the other before God. Finally, I've seen a lot of people insinuate, whether by words or by practice, that one is more important than the, than the other or that one is greater than the other. First, I want to say that this need to be greater than or more important than another is a manifestation of flesh of the flesh and has no place in God's marriage. Nothing can be done from the place of strife or vainglory, not even marriage. God resists the proud and calling pride by another name by ego and calling pride by another name like ego will not change what it is. There is no place of, of there's no place for self or self-importance in the things of God. We whether male or female, are made in God's image. And while men reflect God's image as leader, women reflect God's image as helper. You are both a reflection of God and you are both one. Just as the true God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one and co-equal. You must ask the Holy Spirit. You must then ask the Holy Spirit to show you where both your callings merge to become one. God made marriage good. In fact, God said that it was, it was not good for man to be alone. God wants to help you. That's why he gave you a spouse. He wants to close up the gap in your journeys, both of you. What about us single people? Does that mean that God doesn't want to help us too? No, far from it. The Bible tells us that God covered up the flesh at the place where the, where the rib was removed. This means that for men, God will cover up what is lacking in you. And as for women, God will continue to build you up. That is make up for what you didn't know you needed.
what about us single people? Does that mean that God was, God doesn't want to help us to? No, far from it. The Bible tells us that God covered up the flesh at the place where the rib was removed. This means that for men, God will cover up what is lacking in you. And as for women, God, the Bible tells us that God continued to build up the woman until he brought her to Adam. This means that if God doesn't, until he brought, uh, as for, as for, and for women, the Bible tells us that God will continue to, God built up Eve and when he felt and when he felt that Eve was ready, he woke Adam up and he brought her to Adam. What this means that what this means for us is that God will continue to build us up until he either brings you to Adam or if he doesn't bring you to Adam, he will continue to build you up the same way. He's, he will continue to build you up. That is make up for what you didn't know that you needed.